Welcome to Talking Trauma with Knots. Episode number one. We're excited to have Fire Chief Dave Freeman from Cleveland Heights Fire Department with us. And our topic today is going to be mental health and healthcare providers. Um, Chief Freeman, welcome. Glad to have you aboard and glad to have you part of our very first podcast. Thank you, Chief Baker. I appreciate it. You can just call me Dave. It's fine. And you can call me Todd, and that makes it easy for everybody. Outstanding. So Dave and I got to know each other a little bit um, about two years ago when we both took a special interest in mental health and the fire service. Um, I went a direction of the Ohio Assist program, and Dave went the direction of SAW. And um, he's been very public with his story, and I'd like to welcome him to share with us today. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. So my journey through this whole process really started probably um, probably the middle of 2019. At that time, um, I had become interested in the mental health side of the fire service and how I could help others. And so as part of that, and as part of my involvement with the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association, I joined the Health and Safety Committee. And one of the things that we had done throughout the state was send out a statewide survey to all fire and EMS personnel. And the results that we got back were, were pretty shocking, honestly. I, we knew we had a problem. It's pretty obvious from, from just watching the news and, and seeing the things that are going on first responders. But when we got the, the information back, what we found out was that a, a, a total of 81% of the people surveyed exhibited at least one of the signs of post-traumatic stress. And the most common one was difficulty sleeping or difficulty getting asleep, staying asleep. And so it went down from there. We had varying levels of, of symptoms for different types of things, depression, anxiety, hyper-awareness, hyper-alertness, all the way down to actual domestic violence that, that these individuals were committing on, on family members just because of the place that they had found themselves. And so as, as part of this whole process, after we completed the survey, the next step, of course, was to do something with the results. And so I made the, the horrific, like, new guy mistake of asking, um, what are we going to do? And that became, what are you going to do? And I started out writing the best practices for mental health for the state of Ohio first responders. As part of that process, I decided to educate myself further. And so one of the first things I did was, was sign up for multiple different seminars and conferences that were coming out. And I actually went to a conference called the First Responders Conference in Columbus on November 7th of 2019. And at that conference, it's basically put together by a sheriff's deputy out of King County, Washington, which is near Seattle, um, by the name of Sean Thomas. Now her husband had attempted suicide and she became interested in, in how to prevent this among first responders. And so what she did was she started this whole process of the first responders conference. And what they do is they will contact the state ahead of time. They look for all the mental health resources available for first responders in that state. And they put together a two day conference with all these speakers to kind of inform you about their program and what they can do to help you. And so I decided to attend that conference, signed up. I went with my wife and, um, you know, you're allowed to bring spouses to it. 
So I brought her along with me thinking it would be good for her because I also have a son who's a police officer and another son who's a firefighter. So two of my four boys were involved in, in public service with first responder agencies. So I kind of brought her along thinking that maybe she can get a little insight into what we do and what the process is, and things we need to look out for. So on the, um, on the second day of the conference, we were sitting at a table and I was writing in my little notebook that they gave me. And as I was doing that, my wife, um, grabbed my notebook and pulled it over. And what I had written is how do I become a licensed social worker? And she wrote something in the notebook and pushed it back. And it said, heal yourself first. And I was aggravated. I mean, that's putting it mildly actually, because I'm thinking to myself in my own significance, right? I'm the most important guy in the world. I'm the one that's going to fix this problem. And how dare you accuse me of having the problem? She was 100% correct, unfortunately. Um, so correct that I actually had it tattooed on my right arm, so I see it every day as I'm writing anything, just to give me that reminder. What she didn't know at the time that she wrote that was that I had already planned to kill myself. So I had a very solid plan. I had a timeline. I happen to have two overlapping insurance policies, which would provide her with a million dollars if I were to die. And I plan to ride my mountain bike off of a cliff in Vermillion, Ohio. Um, I ride mountain bikes all the time. And I thought, this won't even look weird. It'll just look like an accident. She'll get the money. She'll be happy. I'll be done with all this, this pain and suffering I'm going through. And so when I, when I had made that plan, I, I did it almost casually. You know, it was a, a really strange process where... I went through this entire thing like I normally am, you know, obsessive compulsive about all the details and basically didn't write it down, but had it all in my head about how I was going to do it. And I knew my deadline, but I knew somewhere in that time frame, probably in the beginning of December is when it would happen. So she didn't even know that when she wrote that she had started to see breaks in my behavior, really hyper alert. Um, you couldn't make a noise around me without me jumping and, and I mean, literally not like a normal jump, like jumping out of my skin and starting to sweat and like shaking everything because I just, I absorbed too much and I, and I wasn't getting rid of it. And so one of the speakers that came up shortly after that was from the Save a Warrior program here in Ohio. It's actually located in Hillsboro. Now it was in Newark at the time. And she talked me into signing up for the program. I went from December 1st to the 6th of 2019, and it completely changed everything for me. Basically what they do is they run you through a process where they look at the trauma that you've received, they give you a safe outlet to talk about it, to get rid of it, and run you through some different exercises that help you in that process. And one of the things they also do is they teach you meditation, which to me was what I called, and, and I know this is a family audience probably, but the far Eastern voodoo BS is what I called it. So I won't use the word. We'll just go with that. <laughs> but it, it was actually, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here you laughing. And the guy next to me laughed as well when I said that, when they told us we're going to meditate. I could not have been more wrong about anything in my life. Um, it's, it's changed everything for me. That practice, I do it twice a day now, and it's it's really just made a huge difference in my life. 
and I've continued to do that. Today was actually day 489. Wow. Just some of the physical benefits. Um, I used to have chronic migraines before I began meditation, and I have not had a, a headache of any type since I started at all. No headaches, period. I also got rid of chronic neck and back pain that I had that I found out was just totally related to stress. And I'm just, I'm more self-aware now. I don't get angry like I used to. Um, you know, I had a, that, that was typically, that was the only emotion I had left at that particular point was anger. So I, I didn't feel joy. I didn't feel, um, you know, I never got anxious about anything really, just the hyper-awareness that I had. But I'd get angry, you know, because I couldn't control every situation. And that was the only reaction I would have. The only emotion I had left, so I, I ran with it. You know, I was I was mad all the time about everything. Um, never showed up at work. Remarkably, I was able to control it here, but my family sure got it all the time, which is about the most unfair thing I can think of. You know, they were doing nothing to deserve it. So by going through that program, it, it literally changed everything for me. Um, and I became, I, after I came out of that, I started advocating through the fire service. The first talks I did were from my own department. I shared my entire story with them, which was very, very difficult. You know, I struggled with even whether I should do it or not. I actually talked to my three battalion chiefs prior to the talks to kind of get their take on it. I told them the story and I said, I want to tell the whole department this, what do you think? And all three of them were like, this is great. You should do it. And I, I got to tell you, I was nervous. Um, it was very raw at the time. There was a lot of, of breaks in my emotion when I was trying to do it. You know, I'm crying, I'm, I'm all over the place, I'm, I'm shaking, you know, nervous. And I'm a, I'm a very polished public speaker, so I don't normally have that problem. So for me, that was weird. But by telling the story so many times, not only do I, I feel like I'm helping other people, it also helps me. You know, it helps me to get rid of that um, on an ongoing basis where I can talk about it and and make it more ordinary than it was. Now, what I found out and what they've actually found out through the Save a Warrior program is that a lot of the issue actually goes back to childhood. They actually give a test called the ACEs um, test, which is the Adverse Childhood Experiences Survey, was developed by Kaiser Permanente as a um, basically a, a test to evaluate foster children who are at risk of certain behavior. So they've developed this test that asks tens questions about trauma you might have experienced as a child. And what we found out through the, the Save a Warrior program is that the majority of people that are suffering from some type of post-traumatic stress have some type of childhood trauma that they've gone through that's never been resolved. And so you really carry that with you. And there's a um, there's actually a very good book written on the subject called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And what he did was he was he was working primarily with with veterans through the VA hospital. That's how he started his career in the early 70s. And now he's recognized as the worldwide expert on on trauma, mental and emotional trauma. And his studies showed that your body will do the things that I was talking about, you know, the migraines. Um, chronic intestinal distress type things, um, Crohn's disease, 
fatigue, all the way up to pain, fatigue, fibromyalgia, yeah. any of the immune suppressed diseases. And the other thing that really struck me, and, and this came out, I was actually doing a talk at University Heights Fire Department. And I'll never forget, because as I was talking, I was talking about how how dangerous this is, you know, the, the suicides being double the line of duty deaths and being vastly underreported. And then I said, you know, we've always thought that, you know, the heart attacks and the strokes were the big issue. And I stopped <laughs> because I've just all of a sudden in my head, it was just like, wait a minute. And I'm, I'm staring for a minute. I didn't say anything. And one of the guys said, are you OK? And I go, yeah, I just thought of something, though. You know, heart attacks and strokes. What is one of the primary factors? Always stress. Right. Right no different than the post-traumatic stress we suffer. So those things are all interconnected. And I'd never really looked at it that way. And even when you look at cancers, cancer is an immunosuppression problem. If you're, you know, as you, you know, everyone's heard this, we get cancer all the time and our body's able to kill it. You know, that's our, that's your white blood cells job is to attack those things and destroy them. Unfortunately, if you don't have a good immune immune system because you're stressed all the time, then those things are going to happen at a higher rate than they would to other people. And it all makes sense. It all ties in together. It's kind so of scary. If you give individuals a way to learn to cope with stress, meditation's a big one. Um, just being more self-aware, knowing that you can't control things is a huge thing for me. Um, one of the books that, that I really tout and recommend for everyone to read is uh, a book called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And what the book basically teaches you through a series of analogies is that you can't control the past, you can't control the future. The only thing you really control is yourself in the now, and that's it. And so it's, it goes through this process of teaching you how to let go of these things when they come in and hit you, you know, anything from driving in traffic and the guy next to you cuts you off or flips you off or whatever up to and including more serious problems, you know, you know, death of a friend, family member, those types of things. The truth of the matter is when you hold on to those things, all they do is harm you long-term. They are going to affect your physical systems at some point. And by learning how to let go of those things, it, it can change everything for you. And I think by nature, people in our profession, you know, our role is to take control. Like Absolutely. we walk into unstable situations and we're the ones that stabilize it. So I, I think one of the things that makes it so difficult for us to even recognize is that we are always in control. And yeah. we're so in control that we don't realize that our own lives are out of control. Yes, the lack of self-awareness and that's a huge one that that was me you know every day i just you know here i am saving the world i'm going to save everyone around me i've always been a rescuer i went through um just a little bit of background on that to kind of explain it i talked about that at the first childhood experiences survey some of, the, some of the stuff i went through um was growing up with an alcoholic father who was very abusive to to the kids, mainly, it was mainly emotional, mental type stuff. With my mom, very physical. And then, then my mom suffered from that. And a lot of times that, that 
pain she was going through would be passed on to us, you know, through inappropriate reactions to things and, and just made life, you know, like a living hell when I was a child, honestly, a lot of the time, you know, we'd have to leave the home because of stuff that was going on. And then we'd walk back in the next day or the day after that, like nothing happened, you know, and the whole process would start all over again. And so that, that was tough. And, and I never realized because as I describe to people, you know, if you've never put glasses on, you don't know that you have bad vision. Right. That's just the truth. And so that was all I knew. That was my situation. I didn't spend a lot of time with other families, with people that were normal. And so for me, that was normal. You know, that's just how it was for everyone. And until I went to the Save a Warrior and they kind of opened my eyes to, no, that's not normal. And here's how it's impacting you. That was when I really realized that I'd spent my entire life um, trying to correct that problem in other ways. You know, so and, and that's what happens with us. We get we get substance addictions, we get alcoholism, we get process addictions, whether it's, you know, going fast on a motorcycle or skydiving or whatever risky behaviors that entails. And I've always been a risk taker my entire life. Well, so then it all started to make sense. Well, and I can tell you my own experience. I, I was invited to participate in the Ohio Assist, as you know. And mm-hmm. and I was asked to come down by friends who said, hey, you would be a good peer. You should do this. And right. to, to be a peer, you have to participate. So, again, I go in there thinking that I'm going to get ready to help other people. Um, and only when I'm exposed to that do I realize. And I think I realize one of the things that, as you're talking about these risky behaviors, one of the other things that we do is isolate. And what Absolutely. I what I began to realize is that I was isolating myself, not just from people, from problems. Um, I When I went home, you know, if the dog crapped on the floor and my wife was upset, in my mind I thought, this is stupid. Like, you know, I just, just resuscitated a cardiac arrest or, you know, I just saved a choking child and you're worried about, you know, so so I almost devalued everything else because nothing was that significant. I isolated myself away from things that maybe made me feel uncomfortable because I wasn't in control. Because again, I want to control everything. I want to fix everything. And going down there and listening to other people telling their stories and see how emotionally impacted they were, I began to feel like a heel because they're telling their traumatic stories and I'm like judging it on merit. Like, wow, that's, that's stupid. Um, yeah. And that's when I started realizing, you know, I'm the one that has a problem here. Um, so I, I think the other the other challenge for us, and I know you and I have talked about this before, you know, this is an alpha dominant profession. You, yep. you know, you can't show a chink in your armor. Um, mental health has always been taboo, and and I commend you because I know you've you've done a lot of public speaking in regards to your story, and I, and I think. This is kind of the first step in trying to um, to break this down and, and show that it's okay. Uh, you know, the fact that you were in front of the people that you lead and you showed, um, you know, you showed that compassion, or you shared with them that experience, um, you know, that almost makes it okay. And I think that's the challenge is how do we make it okay to ask for help? Right. 
I mean, you hear it all the time in psychology. It's okay to be not okay. Right. But in the fire service, it's not okay. Right. It, and th- and that's the view we've had. It's it's that, you know, suck it up and keep going. You know, you can do this. And the truth of the matter is, there is not an individual who can go through 30 years of what we go through and not have some impacts from it. You know, it's just, it's impossible. You just can't do it. It changes you. Know, you. Unless you unless you are a very unusual human being and, and they do exist but they're rare you know there there's people that you can do just about anything to them and they're just like ah, oh, okay well that happened but those are very very rare animals they're like the unicorns and the majority of us are going to have some impact from that and i don't want to minimize either the um there there are people that go through the save a warrior program whose ace scores is zero and they're still suffering because of stuff they saw on the job right the good news is that's a lot easier to fix believe it or not that is a much easier process than it is trying to resolve you know like in my case a 53 year old man who's been carrying around crap that he's gone through since he was you know an infant basically you know and never let go of and the the program director down there jay clark is a he's a remarkable individual but one statement that i've heard him make is if you have a single traumatic um call that's that's really weighing on you he can he can fix that in 15 minutes he said but if you got lifelong trauma through childhood that's going to take some work and by no means was i fixed when i came out of the program either i it was a very very intensive five-day program probably 12 to 13 hours a day so it was the equivalent of probably a year or two of, of therapy honestly but it's an ongoing but, process every day absolutely i can i could backslide in a heartbeat i've almost done it a couple times just because stuff hit me a certain way and i wanted to slip back into my old habits and i had to like stop myself and back up because that's what'll happen it's just it's human nature it's very difficult and if you come out of a program like that thinking that you're cured and you don't have to do anything then then you're deluding yourself the truth is it's a lifelong process and you know that's oh go ahead go ahead and you know the sad part is that that i reached out to dave uh last week um we started this podcast and i tried to think of some things that i thought would be impactful um and provide value to people that are listening and we decided, you know, we were gonna we we're gonna try to get together and try to do something, and you know, this sounds, you know, this sounds like a lot of lip service until you experience what we just did. And what we did between the time Dave and I talked initially and today is we lost another brother. Yeah. So it happens, and and while you may look around your fire station you're not going to look around the fire station and and see the pain that some of these people have. We've, we've got to do a better job at communicating. We have to do a better job at recognizing and we need to do a better job at making sure people know what's available. You know, the SAW program, the Ohio assist program. I know here in the County that I'm working that I work in, they're working on a County peer team. Um, there, there are always resources. The Ohio State Patrol has an emergency response team. So the resources are there. We just have to recognize the symptoms or we have to recognize it in our colleagues um, and try to get the help. I think yeah. that's the challenge. 
any one of us can become an advocate. You don't have to have a psychology degree. You don't have to be a trained counselor to do this. It's just knowing what the resources are and where to find them. That's the truth of the matter. Because I can't fix anyone, but I can tell you where to go to get the help you need. Exactly. That's what I, I'd love to have a psychology degree. I think that would be fantastic, but it's just a vanity thing for me. I don't need it to do what I do. I can have a lot of impact just doing this. And anyone listening to this podcast can do the exact same thing. Well, and I think one of the great things about podcasts, and I think like one of the reasons that I really like this is this is something that hopefully people can come back and revisit to, again, hear your story and how you how you are overcoming. I don't want to say overcame, but how you're overcoming day to day to day. I For think sure. this is something that we as leaders in the fire and EMS systems or services, this isn't something that we do once a year like sexual harassment drills. This needs to be something that we discuss on a routine basis. This is something that maybe we need to review quarterly, monthly. Um, we need to think about debriefing and diffusing after incidents. It's not okay to see a little kid get his head crushed or, or a, a man and woman die in a car accident while their child survives. That's not okay. And we have, we, we have it to... It has an impact on you. Right. We have to quit making it seem like these things are okay. People shouldn't have to see this. We need to have the tools to cope, um, and we need to recognize when we're struggling. And I, you know, I think a lot of it, too, is that when people think about, I, and I won't call it post-traumatic stress disorder, you won't, you won't hear me use that term normally except here to explain it, it's post-traumatic stress injury. It's not a disorder. It's something that you experience that caused harm, you know, like breaking your arm, right? Um, but the thing that a lot of people don't really think about when, when they think about that term, the PTSI, they think about, you know, um, a 9-11 type event or, a, you know, a bus crash where a bunch of kids are killed or something of that sort. But the truth is little, little things chip away at you through the years and you start to accumulate that stuff. And that cumulative stress disorder or injury can be just as bad. And it's more insidious because it's, if I can point to an event that, you know, Todd Baker went out today and he had this horrific crash and he had to care for some people who were gravely injured and now he's having trouble sleeping, that's easy, right? I can tie that back. I know what caused it. I have a root cause and you can go from there and work on fixing it. When you look at a guy that can't point to anything, and I couldn't, that's more difficult because now you're thinking, okay, I've gone through, you know, tell me about the calls you've gone on. And I have a whole litany of horrific things that I went through, but I can't say any one of them caused me an issue. It really wasn't that. It was everything together. And, you you know, know. and so it's, it's, it doesn't have to be that one big event. And, and the Ohio assist the Ohio assist very well, right? The rabbits yep. and the bears. Yep, I was just gonna say you can be eaten yeah. by ducks or bears. Yeah, yeah. It's the ducks. I don't know why I said rabbits. Yep. yep. Rabbits are a lot more vicious. So. And I think every I think every one of us are being eaten by ducks. It's just a, it's just a matter of time until the injury presents itself. Right. Right. Like I said, you don't get through thirty years of doing this without some type of psychological damage unless you take care of it. And that's key. You don't have to suffer. And, it, and to me, it's not just, it's not the, the suicides. Those are, those are the top notch, right? We see those, they're visible. It's the guys that are suffering every day. And I guarantee you in every department, you've got guys that are suffering. 
and and it may be a lot of guys you know from the information we're getting back if 81 percent of those guys are having trouble sleeping those guys and girls that's an issue right well, because that impacts everything and you know what's funny and they bring it up again in the assist program is you know one of the things that we talk about in our service is divorce yes like divorce isn't normal we, no, we shouldn't okay. we shouldn't accept that we're going to get a divorce yeah. We should acknowledge the fact that there's challenges and figure out how to overcome them. But but law enforcement especially, and that's what I, I found in the assist, is it's not uncommon for law enforcement officers to have multiple divorces. And, right. and that's a symptom of a problem. We're hard to live with, Todd. <laughs> yeah. My wife I'm tells me that all the time. We get to this point where we're like that, we're hard to live with. Well, I thank you, Dave, for taking some time. And I know, you know, maybe we can do this again in a couple of weeks and keep the conversation going because we're 30 minutes in nearly. Um, and and I, think, I think that we're just, just touching the crust of the problem. Um, right. And to those that are listening, um, again, you know, I'm with Knott's, Todd Baker. You can always reach out to me. I'm sure Dave Freeman, the chief at Cleveland Heights, you know, we're here to help and be advocates, and I hope you're going to be an advocate. And there are plenty of resources available. Um, we just need to we just need to make sure we get people to the resources that they need. And and I hope that this is at least the beginning of something that can add value to people, um, both managing themselves and 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 dealing with coworkers, um, because this problem's not going away. Yeah, so let me just put one thing out there very quickly. Um, I actually have a Facebook page that anyone can go to. It's called Heal Yourself First. And it's a picture of a firefighter. It's me in my young days in a window. And if you go to that, if you have any issues, you want to just talk to me privately, everything I do is, is private. If you message me through that platform, I will get back to you. Um, if you want to text me and keep your name out of it, that's fine too. I don't even know. I don't even need to know who you are or where you work. Tell me what you need, and I'll make sure you get the resources. Dave, I, I thank you for your time. You're you're always generous with your time and your story, and I think I think that that's true leadership in the fire service. Um, I hope we could get together and do this again, and I hope some of the listeners will join us to to carry on the conversation with mental health and in the, the fire service. Absolutely. So, I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you very much. Thank you all for uh, listening to the podcast. I hope you subscribe. We're going to try to keep some good content going um, in the future. Make it a great day.